Well, as always, it's a privilege to share with you all. Um, an undeserved one. To bring the Word of God to you. And my prayer is that the things that I share from the Scriptures will be honoring to the Lord, will edify you, and that the Gospel of Jesus Christ will be honored. So let's seek our Lord in prayer. Holy Father, you know that your word is truth. And your word comes from you, the God we love. And we thank you that Jesus Christ is the word whom you sent to fulfill your word in the scriptures. And even as he said, please, Father, sanctify us in the truth, for your word is truth. So please bless us as we look at this passage tonight from one of the most beautiful parts of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 119. And we'll look at the 15th stanza, which is verses 113 to verse 120. Through verse 120. And this is the most unique thus far psalm that I have encountered. Earlier I thought I found some other ones, but no, this one is. And I would venture to say before we look at this, that all of us enjoy stories. Some of us enjoy stories that involve love and hate. Others enjoy stories that involve great need and there's suspense as to how that need will be met. And others involve or like and enjoy Stories in which there is fear. What am I going to do? This scares me. These can be in mystery books, other type of fiction literature. They can be true stories that we read, biographies even that we find in the Library of Light. And they are captivating Well, we're going to read tonight statements that are like those we would find in a story. And I've called this No Place for Error because it is a play on words of a man, David Wells, 
who wrote an extremely good book in which he criticized the modern American church, and it's called No Place for Truth. And frankly, this passage and his book have a lot in common. And I believe tonight the principle, if we want to take away a main idea from the passage, is that the pure word of God must not be entangled with the fickle thoughts of men. The pure word of God must not be entangled with the fickle thoughts of men. And we'll have an outline. I'll give it to you from the beginning and then we'll read the text and get in the text. But we'll see in considering the psalmist here, um, we'll see first his zeal for truth which is verses 113 through 115. And next, his need for grace, which is covers one verse, uh, I should say verses 116 and 117. And lastly, his adoration and terror, which cover verses 118 through 119. Start getting in the hundreds and it's a bit clumsier. But that's the outline that we will look at, which may for you be a bit surprising. But let's look at the, the text of the psalm. I hate the double minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evil doers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth You discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Now let's look at this psalm. This stanza, a very unique one as I shared. And first, let's look at the psalmist's zeal for purity. And as we look at the first three verses, 
it's important to understand that the psalmist did not detest specific people. If we think that, we'll miss the whole point and we'll have a legalistic mess. What he detested were fickle and sinful opinions that mixed the pure word of God with sinful thinking. And the same detestation should be ours as well, as we'll see. And many many kinds of of things could be those that caused this man to be so frustrated and have such zeal. It's important that to understand that that word double-minded, many have translate, translated as it as vain thoughts. Calvin translated it as crooked thoughts. So it's not directed as much as people, as much as the human mind. And because the psalmist had such a love for God's word, he spurned any kind of mixture of truth and error. And that's why we see such strong words in verse 13. And this kinds of things, let's look at some of the things that dumble-minded or vain thoughts come up in the Bible. Things that we think we wouldn't think of at first. And these are going to be, a lot of them, from the Apostle Paul. But first we'll read a passage out of First Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Here Elijah is mocking the prophets of Baal. And he's doing this in front of a lot of people. So he calls them them. Okay, have your gods on one side and I will call on the law here, on the God here that I trust. And it, came, it says he came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between Two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And they did not answer him a word. That's the kind of thinking that the the psalmist despised. Now, Let's not forget also the reason that he 
despised vain thoughts. By the way, thoughts that he knew very well, and we'll see why, that he certainly was not exempt from. This was a man who's a sinner, saved by grace through faith, just like we are. Not a man saved by keeping God's law. No one has ever done that perfectly. He was saved through faith. When we think of the kinds of things that could point to vain thoughts, what does Paul say in Romans chapter 1? or chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Do you see the mixture of thoughts that are double-minded? We've been saved by grace, so we can possibly do this. Or he says to the Galatians, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who has called you by another gospel or a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Later he says, Brothers, you are called to freedom. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In the Colossians, the passage was too big to write, but he talks to the Colossians about God has saved you. He's canceled out the certificate of debt against you. He's done all of these things for you. If that's the case, why do you do things like worship angels, for goodness sakes? Why do you turn to Jewish traditions? Why do you say, let's not wash this or that? You think COVID existed. There were all kinds of traditions being introduced to the Colossian church that Paul was rebuking. That was a mixture, a disgusting one of truth and error, and Paul hated it. He also sent Titus to appoint elders in Crete because he said there are many rebellious and empty men, empty talkers, I should say, and deceivers who are upsetting whole families. Those are some examples. But this could also be worldly thoughts mixed with pure ones. Do not love the world, but the things in the world, or the things in the world. If the love of the world is in you, then the love of the Father is not in you. How about 
that as a paraphrase. Is that okay? So, let me ask you, um, do you experience yourself exposing yourself to things that confuse you because they include both scripture and things that either contradicted or in other ways, in subtle ways, cause you to wonder about the truth of the Bible? And do you find yourself drawn to keeping companions with with those who would like to pull you away from pure devotion to the Word of God. Now understand, these could be authors, these could be actors, or they could be acquaintances. There are many people that oppose us and would like to oppose us and would like to have us turn from pure devotion to the Word of God to a compromised view of the Bible. And though you love the Bible and it's it's wonderful to you, you still find yourself having vain thoughts that just repeat themselves and won't go away that are difficult and cause you to struggle friends seek out a brother and sister to pray with you look at what the bible says about these things receive counsel if needed And we won't have opportunity to look at the whole psalm because of stuff I'm experiencing. Um, But let me mention a a couple of things about the other verses. The psalmist in in verse 114 says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. That's where he ran when he experienced vain thoughts he ran to God in prayer and when his enemies spoke against him and reproached him he ran to God in prayer and held fast to that shield of faith that Paul talks about in Ephesians and when he says to the people depart from me you evil that I may keep the commandments of God. That sure sounds cruel. No. Earlier he said in the psalmist, the psalm, I will speak of your testimonies before princes. And he makes other statements. This is simply a man being full bold for the truth of God. And will not keep company at all with those who willfully, arrogantly seek to contradict God's word. 
He didn't want their demise. He wanted God's word to be honored and most of all the God of the word to be honored. And in verses 16 through right, 116 through 117, we see prayers. This man could not do it alone. He could not resist all of the slander he was experiencing, whether this was David or Daniel or Ezra, whoever wrote the psalm. He couldn't do it. It was too much for him. He had to run for God, to God to receive grace and strength. And that's where we need to go. When our minds drift into thoughts that we know we don't want, and yet they're there. David, Daniel, Ezra would have all had the same thing. And then lastly, let me mention that when the psalmist, in, beginning in with verse 118, by the way, we went through B about his need for grace. This starts letter C about um, his reverence and terror. He meditates a little bit on those who <clears throat> go astray from your statutes. And he says, for their cunning is in vain. He's beginning to think of the holiness of God and what happens to those who go astray and how worthless their thoughts are. And then he says, he he continues, all the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, worthless garbagey metal, And therefore I love your testimonies. Not because I'm happy about evil people, but because I'm holding fast to these testimonies. And as he thinks about this and thinks about this, lastly, he says, my flesh trembles or literally stands on in for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. The psalmist got a glimpse, one that we need now and then, of the holiness of God, the absolute purity of God as he thought about these things. And he trembled. Now, did he tremble in a way that caused him to run and lose his assurance? Not at all. He keeps on praying and talking to God about all kinds of things. But just know that our Lord is a pure and holy God, which, what should it do? Cause us to sing praises and worship Him because He has saved us by the grace of of Jesus Christ. He's done it all because of his undeserved mercy. We are now forgiven sinners. There is no longer the need to fear hell. We have heaven to look forward to. Our sins are taken away. We serve strictly by the grace of God. All of this is true because of the triune God's work 
through the person of Jesus Christ. So it is appropriate on occasion to realize who this God is that has saved us, which then brings great joy. So the pure word of God must not be mixed with the fickle thoughts of men. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for this wonderful part of Scripture. Thank you, Father, that you clarify how we should think and how we should deal with our thoughts when we struggle through coming to you, and how we should worship you and tremble before you and rejoice in you because of your wonderful saving work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.